Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody? It's your coach. Welcome back to the Coach HP Show. I'm pumped. I'm happy. I'm golfing. And I'm golfing with a purpose. I haven't golfed in five years, probably four years since I became Coach HP. But ironically, baseball has me in the golf world. Kids that I used to work with in baseball, I'm not working with in golf. For the purpose of mindset. Mindset on the course. Mindset with dealing with failure. Mindset on communication. Father-son communication. Coach-to-student communication. Stuff like that. In my new love and time invested in the golf world, I came across today's guest, my man, Steve Maubon, Stephen Maubon, Maubon Golf. What a great story. What a great vibe. Unique. The sport needs a dude like this. A lot of awesome content, a lot of original stuff. A lot of passion and a lot of love for for a sport and things that I'm more into. Love for his family, love for his kids, man. This dude is investing a lot of time into his kids. He has them on shows. He has them doing YouTube interviews. He's supporting them with his time, with his knowledge, and putting them out there in his content, which a lot of people won't do. A lot of people want to take, swallow all the attention they get for themselves, especially dads. But this was the opposite, man. He could care less. He wants to play the game he loves, be original, look cool while they do it. Don't stress the small stuff. Don't go crazy on a golf course. Don't be that one guy that complains that's 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 pissed the whole time because you didn't hit the ball straight. Or, who cares? Unless you're a professional. And even then, who cares? You have fun. And you do your thing and you look good while you're doing it and you try your best. That's what's matter. That's what matters. So I loved having this dude on representing Virginia Beach. Not for too long, but he's out there. And it's just original dude. And I want you to want you to listen to what he learned from his dad, how his dad parented him, and how he's parenting his boys, which I think would be real cool. So without further delay, on today's show we have my man Steven. Maubon of Maubon Golf. Sick apparel, by the way. Love it. Let's go. Go for it. We're on. What'd you get? You were telling me. I got this uh, new Golf Digest with Brooks on the cover, so I was just flipping through. I was waiting to meet you. I love it, dude. Listen, I had no idea who you were probably a week ago, right? And my boy has a golf shop here in Miami. It's called the Pro Mm -hmm. Shop. And somebody, there was a guy that won a pro thing, a little tour they did, and he picked up a hat. It was green and white. And it had this cool thing, and it said something king, right? And yeah. I looked at the hat, 
And the guy left and the hat stayed on my mind for some reason. I went back to the shelf and I looked and it said, Roll King, right? That's right. And I go, fuck, man, that thing looks real cool. And then the guy, I go, I go, bro, who's this brand? And he's like, no, man, that's a hippie <laughs> brand out of Los Angeles, something like that. Bro, What's that hippie brand? He said a hippie LA brand, something like that. I was like, all right, bro. And I got, I uh, looked, I looked at the, your whole thing. Steve, I cannot find a better person to do what you're doing, man. Everything I see of your history and what you're doing for the game of golf, what you're doing for everything in particular, bro, I think it's great, man. Have Do you feel the same way? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, right? It's, uh, it's, I feel like in the last like five or six years, the golf, the game, it, it's kind of like uh, the roof got higher, right? We, it almost hit a ceiling and then, and then now the ceiling went higher. So I think in that sense, um, yeah, that's what we've been trying to do. And, you know, my, my, uh, I guess five years ago, my son was four and he was playing golf, one of my kids, and he was starting to get decent at four or five. I was doing tournaments and such. And one of the thoughts of starting our brand was like, you know, when I was 15, I stopped playing golf because I didn't, it wasn't very cool. Like the people who I looked up to and the people who I inspired to be, they weren't like PGA tour golfers, right? It was other people. And I wanted to do fun things with my other friends, et cetera. So I kind of, left golf alone from the time I was uh, 15 to like I caddied again when I was in my 20s in art school and then I started playing golf a lot again when I was about 30 uh probably like 35 right so I took like a you know almost 30 year gap or 20 year gap where I didn't play at all and my son's almost 10 and he loves he loves golf he thinks it's the coolest thing in the world he's playing golf with you know, my uh, our skateboarder friends and rappers and, and, and basketball players. And um, he's actually got to see like a really fresh golf, you know, community or vibe or something that it wasn't like that when I was his age, you know. So I think on that side of it, um, hopefully we're, we're helping and hopefully we're inspiring other people to, to kind of do similar. Dude, I love that. Steve, try to move the camera a little bit this way because the glare, I think, of the window is blocking your face a little bit. Yeah, and it's a, and it's uh, my kids crashed the uh, cracked the uh, the screen. The, the, oh, it's completely. It looks like, it looks like a spider web. <laughs> Bro, you mentioned I had it written down here. I think you're a tremendous father, man. The what I watch, I love everything that you do with your kids. I love that. You bring them into interviews. I love that you take them on to the course. I, I love the whole vibe, man. I love that you allow them to be them, right? How did you learn that? Did you learn that from your dad or was your dad the complete opposite? And you say, when I'm a dad, yeah, I'm a probably. No, probably my dad, like he's still to the day. I'm actually in Virginia right now and I've got to spend time with him. And we, 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 we've been going on golf trips and, and different stuff lately, but He's, left, he's never very, been very, like, judgmental, where, like, if I'm doing something and he doesn't understand it, he, he more looks at it like, wow, this is, like, my kid, and he's doing something. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but, um, you know, good for him for trying type of deal. I think he treated me like that a lot, and then he also kind of treated me 
almost like a friend, right? So in golfing, and I was like 12 or 13, I would go golfing with him and we'd be, he would be gambling with his friends and I'd be a partner of his in a bet. So like at that point, it's kind of like, yeah, he's your, your father's son, but you're also on the team and you're trying to win a bet and there's mind games and the other people are, are, are really trying to win, right? Whether I'm 10 years old or I'm 30 years old, it's like they don't want to lose the, the bet. And so I think a lot of it I probably learned, yeah, through golf and just treating them like like just people or friends and not like trying to always tell them what to do. Like hard enough for me to tell myself what to do, let alone to like preach to them all day on do this, do this. Like I'm still trying to figure it out, you know, just like they are, I guess. Steve, how old are you? 45. Dude, we're almost the same age, man. I'm 42 and I really love that, bro, because – I'm the complete opposite, man. My dad, I'm the biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball by far, bro. And my dad beat the shit out of me through baseball, like really bad. And I'm, I'm Cuban from Miami. And in the Cuban culture, especially in the 80s, there was a lot of peacocking and testosterone thing through your kids' sports. Yeah. Yeah. And bro, all I do now, man, as I entered the golf world, coincidentally, is work with parents to try to be a lot of the characteristics that I see you have and now mm -hmm. I see that your, that your dad had because the winning isn't in the lowest score. It's cool, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's sexy and stuff. The winning is in the relationship building and in having a good time, man. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I love that you do that, bro. I love that you do that. Virginia Beach. I don't know anything about Virginia Beach other than the Neptunes. Talk to me about growing up in Virginia right. Beach, bro. Virginia Beach is like, so I grew up on a huge farm. I'm a family farm that did like, you know, they did a, a corn, wheat, and soy, soybeans, basically, on huge, massive land where they would, um, you know, grow and farm the, the, the vegetables. And then there was also a hog farm um, side of it. So they had, you know, at that sometimes maybe thousands of hogs that they were raising and then selling them to uh, Smithfield pork or different pork producers. So I grew up on that farm, but um, there was a big naval base here. There is, right? There's a huge Navy community here. And then when I was probably like 10 or so, my family sold that farm and it turned into um, just huge kind of suburb uh, houses and, 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 you know, neighborhoods. <laughs> so Virginia Beach was cool because I was going to school with uh, in like Redman mixtapes and NWA mixtapes at the same time because nice. kids had just moved. Navy, Navy kids were moving around with their uh, parents and their parents would go from, you know, San Diego to Norfolk or from, uh, you know, Jersey to Norfolk or whatever. So it was a pretty interesting way of like getting culturalized to different stuff going on because it was such a hub for people moving in and out constantly. And then, um, you know, it's the mid Atlantic, right? There's like really good Chesapeake Bay. There's, there's wonderful fishing. There's great Marlin fishing. You can get out to the Gulf stream and there's that whole deep sea fishing thing. There's golf courses. There's really famous and legendary skateboard community here with a place called Mount Trashmore. So it was a great place to grow up. Um, and, and just kind of like between all of that, I just sat in like National Geographic magazines. I was, by the time I was 17, I dropped out of high school and moved to Colorado. But I think the 
one of the main reasons I did do that is because of how much broader the world got from for me just from meeting different people and reading that geo and it was obviously no internet and, and things like that but getting to meet people from all different parts of life uh, of, of the country you know inevitably I ended up living in Colorado Atlanta New York LA you know and now we're building a house in Pebble Beach up northern California but um I think a lot of that probably, and I'm just figuring that out now, has probably has to do with meeting people from those areas and not being like small town minded and being like, well, I would never live in Colorado. It's like, oh, I met this guy, in, you know, seventh grade. He was great. I should try Colorado. And Dude, it, it I, worked, I, worked well. I love that you said that, man. I love, I, so I left Miami to live in a car six months in Los Angeles. JLo put me on a TV show. I got my SAG card. And I moved to the Hollywood Hills and I slept in a car for six months. It changed the trajectory of my whole life, right? If I look back on it, Steve, I would have, I've always said I should have left high school and moved to LA a lot sooner, okay? Yeah. How did you sell that to your parents? Like, how was your pops like, oh man, super cool, yeah, go crush nah. it in Denver? How did, you, cool. how did you come up with that? I just basically figured out how to get, I was going to this thing called Votech. It's like a vocational, uh, I went for visual communications. And so I'm like 10th and 11th and 12th grade, I would leave the high school. I went to half, half day and I would go to this other vocational school and, and learn, you know, a craft, right? And I was learning graphic design because I grew up as an artist and it was good to learn the Apple computers. But this is when they just started with Apple computers. It was like Adobe one, you know? So, um, from there, basically, I heard about the Art Institute. They, uh, someone came in, and I remember them saying, "Like, well, you you could have a, you could get your GED, and you could go to the Art Institute." And then I thought, like, well, if all I have to do is go get my GED, I should just go at night and go take this test. And if I pass it, then I could just go snowboard for a few years, and then I, like I could go I like to uh, the Art Institute. And that's an That's what happened. I uh, I got my GED without my parents knowing. And then I just came home and was like, I'm done, I already graduated. Like I figured this thing out and they were looking at me like, you're the first person that's never graduated high school. Like, yeah, but I don't think anyone's went to college either. So I'm gonna go to college. I just sped the shit up a little bit. That's that it. Smart, I, man. Hey, I, dude, that takes balls happy. to do that, huh? It takes balls to do that. Yeah, that was wild, wild move. Your son does that now, what do you do? him a credit card and tell him don't tell your mom <laughs> give him a credit card and say don't don't beat me up too bad buddy but here just in case you get a flat tire i got you, you know? <laughs> steve do you work do you do a lot of talking to them because how old's the oldest 11 11 and 9 11 yeah. and 9 right it's good ages good ages do you do a lot of talking to them about life about situations about social media stuff, because now you're one of the cool things about where you're at. And it's something I really appreciate is even though you're 45, you're deep into culture. So you understand TikTok, you understand the, the YouTube mm -hmm. thing. You understand a lot of that stuff, man. What, what advice do you tell them? Um, I mean, I basically just like whatever they want to do. I just try to give them like over, like, like, you know, they say like, if you're, you know, if a kid paints a painting, right. Or like draws a picture, like before he shows me the picture, I'm already going to say, I love it. It's the greatest painting I've ever seen. Like, 
that's how I answer them pretty much to anything. So um, I kind of, I guess I kind of push them to use the social media stuff for, for business, right? Like if, you know, the, the things I've learned is like, the social media is great, but you have to have the business sense to put like a deck together too. So if my 11 year old Luciano, he wants to design and uh, video games, right? So he can have his Instagram and he can post himself playing video games and, and he can have that life and build that, that following and fan base and inspiration pool. Uh, but at the same time, I guess I'm trying to teach them that like, you can take your ideas and you can put them in a 10 page PDF and you can, I'll help you. And we can find someone at, you know, the five top video games in the country. And the two of us can go in there and sell it to them. And you could probably make a million bucks before you're 12. And that's kind of how I'm talking to him at 11. And so I figure by 20, by 21 or 22, he probably will, you know, be able to do that. And then Remington is on is super into golf. So, you know, I, I, I help him. I tag him. I, um, you, you know, caddy him? Do you like, caddy him, Steve? I caddy for him, yeah, a lot. I, I caddy for him um, when I when I can and and when he when he wants me to. Uh, but but with him, it's his social media is like he's he knows he's he's really savvy to it and and like building a following and and putting up content and knowing when he needs to and saying like, hey, I, you know, I haven't put up a photo in a few days. Like I should I should put something up. But he's also like you know, the top golf coaches in the world are following him, right? And there's like Tony Finals and, 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 and Schoolboy Qs and all of these different people he's met over the time. They're all following him or, or like, you know, Patrick Reed's caddy follows him and is like, he'll see his swing on Instagram and the caddy will say like, you know, hurry up and get 18 so I can fire Patrick and caddy for you, nice. right? And so nice. it's like those people are pushing him and saying like, great swing, great swing when he puts up a swing. So then he's like, wow, Tony Finau just liked my swing. Tony Finau's at the Ryder Cup, you know? And it's like, yeah, dude, keep playing and just try to brainwash him a bit where I'm, you know, tell him he's the greatest golfer in the world constantly. And one day maybe it. he will be, right? I love it. When you're catting him and he messes up, how does he deal with failure and how do you deal with his failure? Um... The last drive chip and putt, we he didn't he didn't make it and he cried for like two hours in the car on the way back from uh, UNC, and then that's how he dealt with it. And I just told him, look, you know, you have to you have to choose. Do you want like do you want the feeling of hard work and grinding and putting and chipping and putting in eight hours a day? And and do you is that worth it to you to not have this feeling as much? And then I tell him too that like the fact that he's devastated when he lost is really, really good because you have to almost hate losing more than you like winning. And this little dude, they just cannot stand losing, you know, over anything. So I tell him that, you know, that's how champions are born. Like I can't train him to hate to lose. Right. Right. Another kid might just say "Dad, I did it. I did my best, but I don't really care. I had fun, you know, but this kid doesn't like that. Like, like he's not into the, like, you know, it's funny, the first time I took him to drive chip or the, the, the first one, he won the first one and moved on and ended up getting knocked out in the second one. But we went and did Carolina. Um, so there's a lot of really good golfers in North and South Carolina who end okay. up going to Augusta to the drive chip pot on TV. 
And so we had been building them up. I'm like, you know, you're going to win. You're going to win. This is easy. This is easy. You know, this, you got it. Practice. And then we get there and we're like pulling in the lot. And I tell him, I said, you know, I, look, at the end of the day, you know, you're still, this is going to be really fun. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not changing your tune now. We're not out here to have fun. Like, <laughs> we're here to win, dad. Don't like bail out now on me. And we went out one, right? So it's, he's a confident kid and social media, he's very confident on that. Um, and again, just trying to, touch, trying to like show them that, you know, five years ago, all I had was an Instagram. I didn't have a company. And now, you know, I have a company and it's a golf brand and people in Miami are buying it at that shop. And it's, uh, it's in, you know, we have 15 stores we've opened in Korea. We have been stores in Japan and like all of this madness, but that all happened because of social media. It happened because mob and golf was a mood board of just a inspiring mood board that others could partake in and look at and get inspired. And then eventually that mood board turned into a company, but I didn't start it like, Oh, I'm going to start a company and open stores in Korea and just kind of take the lies as they come, you know? Yeah. But also a lot of the success, man, has to do with you, bro, because you answer your own DMS, you're on top of stuff. That's big, man. A lot of these people don't follow through with their word stuff. I think a lot of the success here, yeah, you've created tremendous vibe with the game, but your hands-on and your originality and your personality, that's why I tell you, man, I think you're perfect for this. I watch you in that mobbing on the range, that scratch golf thing. Bro, you're perfect for that shit, bro. <laughs> I didn't get my shit. They, I didn't get invited back after those four. I keep telling them, like, when are we going back? They're like, dude, uh. listen, I don't know if you need them or they need you. I think they need more you, bro. I think you rolling around with a crew in tournaments. This is what I see. You're funny. You're original. You know what you're talking about. You know how to fuck around with golfers without overcrossing the boundaries, which is which is important. Yeah. I, I think... If I were you, bro, I'd be hitting that up 24-7 because you're really good at that, man. Did you notice that yeah. when you would see the videos back? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, just basically, like, those dudes see me coming down the range and they're like, what the fuck is going on? There's a camera following me. Right. You know, and I'm just walking up to people and saying things. But it basically also got where it was like, you know, if, like, Tiger Woods is hitting balls and they're like, go talk to Tiger. It's like, what the fuck am I going to say to him? Like, right. he doesn't want me to come talk to him. He's hitting balls. Like, what? what am I going to say? They're like, right. Oh, just say something. It's like something. This dude is going to be like turned off. If I walk over there, it's not proper. So that's when I brought Remy onto the show, my nine-year-old. So as a Remy decoy, up, yeah, yeah, it's yeah he's like, Hey tiger, what are you hitting a seven iron? It's like yeah. tiger stops and talks to him. Right. I mean, right. He's a little kid. It makes him human again. Instead of like putting his guard up for the press after his 30th year of people attacking him on the driving range. Right. But yeah, that shit is fun. That's fun. And I like a lot of those guys and I got to meet a lot of them and get to play in pro-ams and stuff, you know? And it's like, yeah, I think that, that, that thank God I learned golf when I was little because I can play golf sometimes really, really well, but you know, even on when I'm playing bad, I'm still playing pretty good. And that's super helpful when you're fucking being playful and fun and joking around and fucking around with these pros because they, uh, then if I can hit like a four iron 10 foot, you know, while I'm talking shit, then it's like, then they like me more, right? It's like, oh, I actually like this guy. Yeah, he's I like this nuts, guy. <laughs> but like, he's good. I love it. <laughs> At I least love he it. plays fast. Yep, yep. Do you, do you miss being in LA, man? Yeah, I go back a lot. I miss it. Um, 
I miss like food dishes and people more than I miss LA, I guess. Right. I, I miss certain like going to certain restaurants in the like, you know, the waiters or whatever, like they're just having that food and cultural, but like I miss the food for sure. And then there's obviously people I miss, but you know, we travel a lot. I just got back from Oregon and there were 60 of us. So there was probably 20 of my golf buddies from LA nice came up to oregon um, <clears throat> at least not the best market for golf like it's pretty tricky it's either like super private and you know especially the last two years it's been very hard to even like get guests on because of covid so it's like you know you one one guest per member right like that type of thing and then the municipal courses are just loaded and really really slow got it and you know tons of traffic and tons of people and um pebble beach is where we're we're gonna raise our kids and, and get them into junior high etc so they're gonna start school in december in pebble um and where's yeah, that i've heard of that place but where's that pebble beach is like the golf mecca of the world almost and it's um it's about an hour and 45 minutes south of san francisco okay so on the monterey peninsula um uh, monterey bay you know, it's just, it's, look it up uh, uh, sometime. It's Pebble Beach, Cypress Point, Monterey Peninsula Country Club, Spanish Bay, uh, Spyglass. There's just insane golf courses that are all very, very close. Nice, and it's man. a very like international crowd kind of. I think Carmel by the Sea is, we're going to open a store in a little like, you know, a little hippie town of Carmel uh, by the Sea. And then Carmel was where like Clint Eastwood was the mayor. That's so it's right. like a very interesting uh, place, you know? Dude, my golf, my golf thing is interesting, man. The first time I ever played golf, I played at a place called Shadow Creek. Yeah. And have you heard of it in, in, uh, in Las there. Vegas? You've been to Shadow Creek? Good as, good as it gets. Bro, so my trajectory is biggest failure in the history of Miami baseball. I was born in Cuba, went to Spain for a little bit, back to Miami. Played college baseball a little bit in North Carolina. Came back to Miami, finished here. J-Lo discovers me, puts me on a TV show. I get my SAG card six years in Los Angeles. Didn't know anything about golf or anything, but I tried to be an actor. But I became, ironically, like the kid whisperer. And I became like a celebrity baseball coach working with, with celebrity kids. And then I did it for six years. And I and the acting thing didn't hit, bro. The only time I ever made it on a TV show was because I gave lessons to a producer or an actor's kid and they hooked <laughs> yeah, me up yeah, yeah. and they put me on shows. So I go, fuck it, bro. I'm going to move to Las Vegas. So I lived in Las Vegas for four years. I lived at the Aria Hotel and I worked my way up to the top at a, in a nightclub called Hide in the Bellagio. Uh-huh. So, dude, I became, unless there was a club owner, I became one of the most powerful guys in Las Vegas. I knew everybody in Las Vegas. Fun. Yeah. And my first time ever playing Shadow Creek was with Michael Jordan on the on his tournament. Because he has a tournament called the Jordan Classic. Yeah. Yeah. And his boss and my boss and him were boys. And once I played there at Shadow Creek, Steve, I fell in love with golf. I was like, this was is there. amazing. Man. This is the yeah. best thing I've ever seen in the world, dude. Fucking ever. I go, this is this yeah. is awesome. I became a member of TPC Summerlin, mm -hmm. where they used to have the just the the Shriners, the Justin yeah. Timberlake Shriners yeah. and stuff. Yeah. 
I became the golf guy, dude. And I did that for probably like two years. And then when I came back here to Miami to marry the love of my life, and I started ironically going back to baseball and I started a YouTube channel and I started the content and all these things. I thought, I think about golf all the time in my head. I'm playing golf always, but I haven't played since I'm never there. Right. Mm -hmm. About six months ago, a kid that I used to train in baseball when he was five, he's now nine. And the dad reaches out to me and he goes, listen, I need your help. I need your help to work with my son and me on mindset. Cause we're fighting all the time. I'm catting him. This, this kid has talent. And he's, he's like number 25 in worlds. It's really good now. Mm-hmm. So that got me back in this golf game. So yeah. as I, uh, so as I started to do research stuff and I see you come up, I'm like, man, this guy is exactly what we need in, in the world. More dads that are involved, that are cool guys that are not judging, that are not on stuff, man. Do you see that? Do you feel a lot of the impact that you have or are you just going with the flow? Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm, um, yeah, I, I, I have people I look up to who are dads that are, I, you know, like big boy from uh, outcast is like the whole time his kids were little, it was the whole thought was like, uh, hands-on parenting, you know? And it's like, he could hire like nannies and people to do it, but like, nah, he's cooking the pancakes and he's taking them to school in the morning because it's a gift to be able to do it, you know? And so I think that's important and if I'm being, if I'm able to like show that that's fun and cool or, or that that's if people think that that's great then it has to be a good thing um you know I'd rather play with my wife and son my kids take them or or, or things like that like you know golf is just kind of like part of our life and if it's a beautiful morning and we're going to go for a walk like if if a nine-year-old wants to go or a 90-year-old wants to go like I I could care less I'm I want to go and I like good company and, you know, I like playing with people that are extremely slow, but other than that, and people, it, it, it's hard for me to play with people who, who take it really, really too serious too. You know, it's like, it's very hard. So if the putt doesn't, doesn't go in from 25 foot and you hit the hole, you did a pretty good job just to hit the hole, let alone if it, if it goes in. So, you know, when someone's like angry at themselves, it's like, dude, the wind could have blown. There could have been a grain of sand. I mean, like, yeah. it's really not your fault that that didn't go in. Like you hit, he, you tried your best, right? So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully I'm impactful, but at the same time, it's like, um, I'm just, just kind of keeping it going, right? And, and keep learning and trying to, be happy and stay positive and be around my kids and golf stay in the golf what i did realize that the like sometimes it's hard to enjoy the real world so the golf world is very enjoyable yeah and man i just stay there we should be okay dude i, lo- I love it so much compared to the baseball world because mm-hmm. it's totally different man the golf world has its etiquette here in miami the baseball world's out of control bro you have people fighting with the other coaches they're fighting with the umpires. It's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. I uh, I learned the influence thing, Steve, because I became the first. I don't know if you know anything about baseball. There's a there's a company called Rawlings. You heard of Rawlings? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I became the first influencer person assigned with Rawlings. Mm-hmm. And baseball is interesting because the players. It's very hard for the players to open up. Yeah. Because as you can tell, 
the players that go very social media route, some the baseball gods just punishes them. And yeah. these guys make so much money that it's not worth it for them to get into any kind of controversy. Yeah. So it's really weird and, and really, really hard, man, to, to connect these days with the baseball players because they always have this like weird like window up. In yeah, the golf yeah. world, I'm noticing it's a little more, it's it's looser now, it's a lot more loose. So I, I like that a lot. Your favorite type of music is what? Uh, I like reggae. I like, you know, dead type of music, Grateful Dead type of stuff. I like hip hop. I like Slayer and the Misfits and Dead Kennedys, New York hardcore. I like all types of music, really. Favorite, I couldn't really. What do you listen you. to the most? Uh, it depends. Like my son's always like, he doesn't like the like, like rock stuff or like, like hippie shit. But if I'll go from like hippie shit to Chief Keef and like he's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I, it's it's different. I'm all over the place. You got a favorite song? A Stone? Song, song. Favorite song? Oh, song. Nah. Nah. You mentioned one, I, I saw one of the videos, you mentioned a Wu-Tang Clan. They, uh -huh. uh, there's an amazing documentary now on them. Did you listen to them a lot growing up? Yeah, and I, I launched a car company for Toyota called Scion, um, you know, ages ago. And I we put bands together, and the bands would do acoustic or, or, or full-blown um, Wu-Tang shows, but we would only do it with four of them at a time because it was a lot easier. So nice. I've worked with pretty much all of them over the years and, you know, just basically become friends with some of them. Um, but, yeah, that was a big deal Wu-Tang when I lived in New York City I, I moved to New York in like 98 I think oh yeah between like Outcast and Atlanta and Wu-Tang in New York Redman's always been cool with the with the Wu-Tang clan so fuck it dude yeah, I love, I love you, have a, you know who you remind me a lot of man you have a similar vibe you know who Jesse Itzler is uh-uh who is Jesse, that Jesse Itzler he He's a part owner of the Hawks. And Shit, he, I need to meet him. Oh, he's my boy, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm going to link you up. His, his, he married Sarah Blakely of Spanx. Okay. He's the one that founded uh, David Goggins. You know who David Goggins is? No, I'm fucking... <laughs> I'm, on a, I'm, in, I'm off the zone. I'm out of no, the, I'm off the grid. I'm going to link you guys up because he's, he's a New York guy. He lives in Atlanta now. But he has two boys and he has a daughter. There's four boys. And he has a daughter, but super successful guy, obviously. But he's like spirited and entrepreneurish, super successful in that route. But he lives through his kids. And I see a lot of similarities between you guys. Right. And I, I thought about that, man. I was like, man, because the position that I'm at, that's that I'm very lucky is people reach out to me from all over the country, probably from all over the world to help to give them advice on their kids, to help them mm -hmm. out. So they could have what you have, bro, that you have naturally that your dad, without even knowing, put it in you. Mm -hmm. And I, bro, I try to support that as much as possible. That's why when I saw the way you were with your kids and you had them around, I was like, dude, I love this guy because I'm completely the opposite with my dad. Me and my dad have completely different personalities. My dad would mm -hmm. be the kind of guy. That if I fucked up in baseball, I was like, you see, that's because you're hanging around with Steve and you grew yeah, a yeah. beard. You got to shave yeah. your beard. Just completely took the fun out of everything, bro. You know? 
And I love that you're the opposite, man. Thank you, man. I love that. Couple more questions, dude, because I could talk to you all day, man. Your gear, how do you pick what to wear? Um, like I'm designing fall winter right now for next year. So I'm just thinking in my head, like taking the kids to to school on a foggy morning on the coast of Northern California. And, you know, what would I wear when I get out of bed? What would I wear driving them to school? Um, hopefully I could go golfing while they're while they're at school before I pick them up. And so it has to be something that I could wear. Um, you know, I might have to stop by the shop, have a meeting, have a lunch meeting, play golf, drop the kids, mingle with the other parents, and then meet somebody for dinner before I come home. So just thinking about like, what would I want to wear then and what patterns and what materials and what feels, that's really how it starts. And then it's once I get it done, obviously now designing it now, then, it, then I have a really good team that will then take it through the production, the sampling, the production, the um you know, getting it shipped and getting everything put into inventory. And then at that point, it becomes my uh, joy again, because I get to set up some form of like a photo shoot. So it's, it's basically like not designing the clothes, it's designing the dream. And then the closer would just be a needed part of that dream. But the dreams, the, the design and the outfit is just what you need to have to, to do it. So we just did a, a I did like a yacht collection, right. And so it's like, what would I wear on a yacht if I was in, you know, the south of Italy or if I was in Santa Barbara, California? Like, what, how would I dress? What would I need? What accessories? You know, I need a passport holder. So it's the first time I've designed a passport holder was because I'm designing that yacht kit. And I would obviously, if you were in Italy, you would need to have your passport with you. So your yacht, so your passport thing could meet, match your head cover and a golf bag and a carry bag and, you know, we're doing linen suits and slip-ons <laughs> and like um, seersucker shorts and then and just adding linens in for the first time. So again, I just kind of focused on the dream of being in that boat with, with my family and friends. And the apparel is just part of it. The pro are just products for that dream. Dude, I love it. How often are you playing golf? Every day, pretty much. How many holes? Uh <clears throat> Like last night, I went out and played about six, seven holes with my uh, kid and my dad. But um, I just left Oregon where I was playing like 36 holes a day. So it, it, it changes. If I don't play, I at least try to go hit balls or putt or chip or do something. Because I think if every day you're not getting better, you're getting worse, you know? Bro, I love that, man. Steve, I just see a winner all over, bro. I don't know where you're losing, man. I just see. Thank you, buddy. I love every single thing I see, dude. Before I let you go, man, anything for me, anything I can help you with? Any questions? Keep it up. No, I'm, I'm good. Keep it up. I love what you're doing, and I, I, I like that you're helping kids, and if I could ever help in any way, uh, I'm a fucking, I'm a DM away, baby. I love that, dude. Don't hang up, okay? I'm going to hang up here, but I want to hang up with you right away. Don't don't leave, okay? Okay. You got it. Hold on. Three, two, one. Boom. What'd you get there? Go. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.